Hey guys, this is Table Talks with the Tares, an inside look at the everyday conversations we have at our table. I'm MJ. I'm Ash. And today we are recapping our review. We're not recapping the review. We are reviewing. We are reacting to the movie <laughs> After Death, which is a documentary of people who have had near-death experiences. We just watched it and we just wanted to give you an update now that we've seen the movie slash documentary and whether or not we're convinced that it's legit or not. So if you're skeptical, I started out as a skeptic. (laughs) And if you wanted to hear where we landed after watching the documentary, this is the perfect one to listen to. So here's our take on After Death, the documentary. Hope you enjoy. All right. We wanted to circle back on a conversation that we had. I don't know what episode it was, but you were interested in the movie After Death and we just watched it. So I think before we dive into what your thoughts are, I wanted to see initially what piqued your interest with the movie trailer in the first place. Yeah. And what uh, do you think about it now that we've actually seen the movie? Yeah, I was going to say we should probably give some context or else this is going to sound real sketch, 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 edge of sketch. All right. Um, Yeah, I forget, but somehow Mm -hmm. the trailer came across one of my social media feeds. And in the episode that you were referencing, I talked about how I'm just naturally intrigued by people's stories and also like medical things. And so listening to people's stories of how they circumstances that led to them being clinically pronounced dead Mm -hmm. and then coming back from those circumstances, like being resuscitated from those circumstances in and of itself without anything in between of like they have some sort of experience or not. Those kind of stories are always like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you like survived that. Like, I can't believe you came back from that, you know. So and even just kind of following medically procedures that are done and just the advancements of technology and medicine. And, you know, we can talk about there's specifically one instance in this movie that was like, I cannot believe this procedure is even possible. Yeah. Like, how does that even happen? Mm -hmm. So I think that's what generally piqued my interest, not this like, ooh, have people experience the afterlife and what do they think about it and this and that because you and I think both take the position that scripture's clear where it needs to be clear. Mm-hmm. Each of us, like death is inevitable for everybody. Yeah. Everybody's going to experience it. Yep. In their life. And so spending time kind of dreaming or scheming about it, you know, isn't necessarily helpful for your current day-to-day except that you are maybe thinking about you know these important questions of what is the purpose of life and you know why am I here and what do I believe and I think having at least a belief of the afterlife probably a good thing to spend some time thinking about but outside of that like we'll just never have those answers nobody's ever gone to the other side and come back to be able to tell us what it's like you know what I mean and so there's I think generally a an interest or maybe an intrigue 
surrounding probably, I, I mean, I think death is probably the number one fear of most people and, and maybe not even death itself, but like how and when, because it's mm-hmm. so mysterious, it's so unknown and it's completely out of our control and it's inevitable. We know it's coming and it will happen, but we have no way to know like when and how. And so how much time do you spend thinking about your death? My death? Mm-hmm. I'll say this before experiencing the death of someone close to me, like my inner family, I did not spend a significant amount of time thinking about it. You have this sense of invincibility, at least I did. And it wasn't until my father died that it was like, death always felt like this far off thing. It's just, I never really have to think about. I'm definitely going to be like, I don't know, a hundred years old before it happens, you Mm -hmm. know? And when my dad died at 40, I think I had just turned 47. That rocked me. Because mm-hmm. I was like, wow. I, at the time I was 26, I'm thinking, it's like literally half my life, <laughs> the life that I've lived. What if I only had half, half like that much more time? You know, yeah, like what if he, you were already, he was so young, you yeah. know? What if I was always already halfway there? Exactly. Is, yeah. So I think prior to that experience, not a significant amount of time at all. After that experience, yeah, it it feels like I'm not untu- my life is not untouchable because it happened to somebody close to me. And now, you know, I lost my sister too. So recently, so it's like it's starting to get to that inner circle of like, whew, this is you know, you're starting to. I'm starting to get to. I'm not saying I'm old, but like the middle part of my life where like people. Mm-hmm. people die you know and it's like people are getting older like our family members some people are you know like graham is in her last chapters of her life i'm not saying she you know doesn't have a good decade or so left but she's, yeah she's getting there you know yeah. and so i think those experiences have caused me to think about it more because i don't feel so far away from it it doesn't feel so invincible or like it hasn't touched any other part of my life up to this point so it was more for the, just the intrigue for the movie was more for the fact that you wanted to just hear people's experiences of having a near-death experience. Yeah. For me, it wasn't even like what does, like I'm pretty skeptical of what they say their experience after they were clinically pronounced death. Like prior to watching the movie, I was like, I'm very skeptical of what these people would have to say about their afterlife experience. Yeah. But just like, I mean, some of this, they played a few of the scenarios, like the one pilot who was in this like crash of like going 150 miles an hour. It's like, mm-hmm. how do you come back from that? Like, yeah. how do you survive that? That's what kind of like intrigued me of just like, I, I just want to hear what happened to him. Like, what are the events that led him from going in a crash at 150 miles an hour to on this screen? He looks perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Like, how did he bounce back from that? And so that's kind of what intrigued me more than whatever was going to be their explanation of, mm-hmm. you know, their experience of the afterlife. Mm-hmm. So, so tell me for you, I mean, we talked about this in that episode, but what was your initial reaction when I was like, Hey, look at this trailer. Like, what do you think about this? Yeah. I mean, I was, I don't know why I'm so skeptical of it just generally when people have like near death experiences, but I think the movie did a good or the, it's more of like a documentary, I mm-hmm. guess. Mm-hmm. did a good job of just stringing together several people's stories mm-hmm. and experiences without them trying to specifically say something 
about what that is. So, you know, I was expecting people to describe heaven and like touching Jesus's beard and like the pearly gates and everything made of gold and that that was going to be like what was talked about. And I thought it was much more clinically, like it was much more, the approach of it was much more clinical than I initially expected. Yeah. A lot of the documentary kind of style centered on medical professionals who had patients who had these kind of experiences where they would be undergoing some sort of procedure and should have no knowledge of like what had happened in that room. And they would be able to recount details of conversations that the doctors had had during surgery or something where it's like, okay, what is happening here? Like this cannot be explained. Right. Because this person should not have had any knowledge of what had happened. And so these doctors started kind of documenting these sort of experiences and asking questions. And what what did you experience? What do you remember? Like, how did it start? You know, those kind of things. And yeah, I think my favorite doctor in the movie was this guy that over a series of five years was researching people who have had near death experiences Mm -hmm. and tried to clinically approach it as like document, like as, as clinically as he can yeah ask questions about their experiences without trying to infer any preconceived biases Mm -hmm. and throughout the documentary he even said to like question everything that you hear and that you shouldn't just take everything at face value Mm -hmm. and that you should not you you should also be careful about just like defending any position you currently hold without any openness to new data that might show otherwise. Mm -hmm. So I thought he tried to, as much as possible, convey it or portray it in a very like... um, Evidence-based. Yeah, evidence-based approach. Mm -hmm. But what's like... Like he he tried to do it like the scientific method way. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, okay, these are all of these people that I've interviewed who have given these similar types of experiences in terms of how they've described them and so we can't conclusively say that there's life after death but the evidence seems to infer it and so that's as far as it'll go Mm -hmm. and so yeah i think just for the documentary itself it was really it was much more just a collection of other people's experiences of Mm -hmm. coming close to dead or being medically pronounced dead which was interesting to find out that there is no like concrete method of determining when somebody is actually yeah. dead. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. And it also probably is more a testament to the advancement of, like you said, the technology that's available mm-hmm. where um, I looked up that surgery. Yes, um, we it's called- have to talk about this surgery. This, this instance, like this person's story was probably one of the most fascinating in the documentary to me. Yeah, so the surgery is a surgery that you need to do when somebody has brain damage or there's like a blood clot in the brain that needs to be removed. And so it's called deep hypothermic circulatory arrest. And so you basically cool the body to stop blood circulation entirely. And you drain the body of the blood. And you protect the brain during surgery. And so... They also like had these ways of 
making sure that there were no there was no brain function that she was exhibiting like they put this like click in her ear and tape over her eyes so that her brain wouldn't be able to like process any information and if they could tell by the clicks it was triggering her brain at all they would know that but like for all intents and purposes like this woman was dead for the hours that like the surgery right was conducted and that to me is insane right like she could undergo that procedure and come out alive on the other side yeah another way i've seen it described as dhca which is what that deep hypothermic circulatory arrest procedure is called so it's called dhca is a form of carefully managed clinical death in which heartbeat and all brain activity ceases that's insane to me yeah so they actually have to cool the body so Mm -hmm. because if at regular body temperature if you lose blood circulation create like there's brain damage damage that's much harder to reverse yeah uh whereas if you cooler it to a lower temperature it can withstand that lack of oxygen much longer yeah like 40 to 45 minutes which is still not a long time no surgery in like surgery time that's like you know that's you're flying through a procedure yeah yeah and she had a brain aneurysm that was the issue that landed her in that situation so it was just unreal but her experience was that when she, in the middle of the surgery, the doctors, so they interviewed the doctor yeah. that you were talking about, the one who approached this kind of like very scientifically, he interviewed the doctors in that room and their experience of speaking with her after surgery. Right. And so this woman like had no brain function function in that yeah. time. And, you know, her experience was that she kind of had this like out of body experience and she could see the room and hear the doctors talking. And during the surgery, wasn't it like they tried to go in one side and something, something prevented that them from going that side. So they had to like switch gears and go in the other side. Yeah. And she was able to recall that commerce, that specific conversation and issue they had encountered from the surgery when she woke up and the doctor was like, there's no way you should know. Yeah, she was able to was describe even... like the surgical tools that they were being used that was being used on her and I mean she wasn't around. And so Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So that was like eerie for the doctors yeah. to hear her recount so many like accurate details of what had happened in that room after the surgery where mm-hmm. she was like basically clinically dead the whole time. Yeah. So And I think it's interesting that like we can have so many more instances of patients that have near-death experiences because of yeah the advancement of technology yeah. where uh, maybe a hundred years ago people who came close to death just died yeah the other fascinating piece uh was the was he a neurosurgeon who who could that rec- was like the first recorded brain after oh yeah after death what was this situation again that so he suffered a heart attack that's right or he had a some sort of heart condition that had them hook him up to a ekg or an eeg like some some way to measure brain waves that's right and well something had happened and he had surgery and then three days later he had a heart attack right which landed him back in and they did the no 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 i mean it's close yeah they did that he was already in the hospital had a heart attack and died so they were 
he already had everything hooked up right from the surgery and i don't think that's what happened i think he had surgery and then three days later he had a heart attack and so they did the e is it ekg yeah and in that he 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 died whatever it is because I still think I it's think the former. I think you might be right. He had a heart attack. Yeah, there were complications. Three days later, and so they gave him the EKG. During the EKG is when he died. No. No, there was nothing given. He had surgery, and he had this hooked up to his body. And for and as part of recovery, it was sta- it stayed hooked up to his body. And he had a heart attack during post-surgery post, uh, recovery okay. and died. Okay. And so... Whatever it was. I'm, I'm probably forgetting that. Yeah. Whatever it was. This is the first recorded death. Yeah. So for the record, we went back through at that one part where Ashley and I in the podcast were talking about. We were having a, a healthy conversation on what happened in the documentary. And we watched back through it just so that somebody's name could be cleared. Turns out I'm wrong. So this is me from the future talking about our podcast episode in the past. I'm sorry, babe. I was wrong. So here's the rest of the show. Yeah. Whatever it was, this is the first recorded death Yeah. and how it impacts brain activity. And so basically what they were seeing was a lot of different brain waves. And this is like well outside our yeah. ability to yeah, explain it. Yeah, we have it. no idea what we're really talking about. Right. But because now we're talking about like how these things start to overlap in your brain with these waves and how these neural connections. Well, it was like the frequencies of your brain waves. The waves, yeah. And he had, he called them like gamma waves and delta waves. And there yeah. were like four different, four or five different yeah. names. We should probably not try to describe <laughs> it because. This is terrible. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, we don't even remember how he had this EEG hooked up to him, but. But. The point was that this guy said the way that those waves oscillated mm-hmm. changed after he after he died mm-hmm. in the sense that they overlapped. Yeah. So that was just like, it's so intriguing that we like have yeah. something like that. It is intriguing that we have something like that. And it's also intriguing how little we know about it yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. And that he said the the thing that we can most easily measure with brain activity involves motion and like body movement, but we can't really trace how the brain processes emotions, how you feel about something, right? this and that. And so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how medicine will continue to develop into the future, Mm -hmm. but it is such a mysterious thing to us still. Yeah. And I think what the other doctor said about how we will probably never be able to exactly explain how death is being experienced Mm -hmm. is just like one of those things about the whole like the whole premise of the documentary that wants you to start thinking about is there life after death yeah that i think looking back to it i think they may they probably approached it a little bit more balanced than i expected Mm. initially Mm -hmm. because expecting you know for it to be much more i saw jesus and he told me, like, it's not time for you to go yet. Well, one guy did actually say that, but it wasn't, the whole thing wasn't like that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think they really try to fold back in a lot more, just like documentary style. Like, this is what these people experienced. Yeah. But they used some of those last bits from that one doctor, that my favorite doctor, and the whole thing mm-hmm. to reinsert back, like, you know, you should take anybody's story at face value. Like you should string these, like do your own research, 
look into it yourself. And I think it does a good job of you like picking your curiosity about looking into, you know, everybody's going to die eventually. Mm-hmm. Like, do you believe there is an afterlife? And I think it does a good job of at least sparking that conversation. Yeah. So what's your takeaway? See, I, I don't know, love. I'm still so like skeptical because <laughs> I never want to insert people's motive generally when I mm-hmm. hear them talking. But something always just tells in me like, man, what are you trying to, what's, what's like, what's like the whole, like, what are we trying to do here? And even just like as simple as, okay, you know, you're going to be in the show. Like you're going to make your story as sensational as possible. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's like too yeah. pessimistic or skeptical, but I, like I said, I think uh, I was a little bit more skeptical before watching it. Yeah. And now it's just like, oh, that was a nice collection of other people's, like it was a nice collection of people's experiences of either being pronounced dead, coming close to death and living to tell the story Mm -hmm. and describing what it was in the instances where they experienced that near death experience. And so that's kind of what my takeaway was. I didn't want to take it any further. And, you know, that's that for me. I think I am much more a fan of just... A good story. Mm-hmm. I don't want to take it any further than that. Maybe that's just the little, the little <laughs> skeptical side of me <laughs> that doesn't want to extract additional information or data that's not there. Yeah. Yep. What about you? Mm, I don't know that I take anything from it. Yeah. Apart from maybe, I guess something that was interesting to me about what almost all of them said was they would describe similar things. Like I experienced this light and it wasn't like the sun. It was like, and they would say like, I just don't even have words to put to how to describe it. And it really was just everywhere. And it felt like love. And also this idea, again, almost all of them said it had, at least that had had the positive experience. said my senses were incredibly heightened. Like I could see differently than I'd ever been able to see before I could yep. um, like hear, you know? So I think for me, it was more of this idea that heaven is, will be more glorious than I could ever imagine it to be. And it's easy to say that it's easy to read the Bible and be like, Oh, heaven's what we're living for. Yeah. But to really see it as greater than the life that I'm living here and what I get to experience here with what I can see and observe and taste and experience, you know, like the relationships that I get to have here to just kind of this idea that it really will be more glorious than I can imagine it to be. Yeah. And it really is going to be more infinitely better than the life that I am living here today, you know, and then alternatively, you know, in, in some of the experiences that were not heavenly, (laughs) just, you know, where they really described some hellish kind of experiences Mm -hmm. that, you know, sometimes I think there's this notion that, or even it can be made fun of that hell really isn't going to be that bad. And that like, that's where people really have fun, you know, kind of a, kind of an, an idea and that it really will be quite more terrifying than you could even imagine too, you know? And so like 
all of the people who had had that kind of experience literally cried as they were and they were recounting men. Sorry. yeah <laughs> like the, the grown men were like crying talking yeah. through what like they had experienced and so yeah so i think it's more of just that and kind of having more of this mindset that this life isn't the best that there is because sometimes it's easy to just settle into the comfort of it mm-hmm. just building my little nest egg here and it's all about you know just having the life that you want yeah and and you know you can design it if you just do xyz right you know and i just think about what a place where all of the things that we like the moments of just pure joy that we get to experience here i think those are like shadows of what's to come but they're like so far between you know i think of like our birth experiences with our children but then there's like so many you know or even like our wedding day was one of those moments for me yeah there's so many other like hard moments that like string those together and i think of heaven as like those amazing the most amazing moments we could ever imagine here but like without end Mm -hmm. there is no hardship or suffering or sadness in between you know and so yeah, I think all of the things that we get to enjoy, all of the things that we experience here that make life like just, I don't even know the word, but just meaningful. Mm-hmm. I think of like just joyful, like pure joyful moments, you know, where it's just like, man, I'm like, I just wish I could almost freeze this moment forever, you know? Yeah. And all of the things that we get to to celebrate I think of what it would look like to not have any of those things be tainted by sin or sadness or death or suffering or jealousy comparison anger mm-hmm. hatred what would that look like you know and it, and it gets me actually excited instead of being like well I hope I get to xyz before I die because I want to experience all I can in this life you know what I mean mm-hmm. yeah I think to go back to the question of like takeaways as you were talking there was a sense of clarity of purpose that these people who survived near-death experiences um come back with and kind of knowing their place in the world and how the how life fits within the greater frame of like the afterlife you know in, in one guy's experience it was like you know heaven is my reality like this earth that i'm living in isn't my reality and I felt like that was a little bit too far. I was like, dude, this is your reality too, right? (laughs) Like you're still alive, man. And so, but I do think it helps bring to perspective the purpose that we do have here and like why we're here, bringing its rightful weight in comparison to the afterlife. I just also, you know, thought about these joyous moments that we do experience our glimpses of what we can experience in the future. Mm Mm-hmm. It's just so nice to see those types of things all around us. I mean, I was thinking about that that fresh baby that we saw that was in the row in front of us at church. Yeah. On Sunday and just how, you know, the as, as certain as death is too, like here's something that we see in front of us that like this brand new baby that is just experiencing life for the first time mm-hmm. is something equally as like amazing and miraculous that, I don't know, just brings a lot of like perspective to what is like 
what what is it that we are supposed to do here and mm-hmm. what is the purpose of humanity and and yeah uh, i think that was one of the things that as you were talking i thought of i, I thought that really was something that they did a good job of trying to emphasize yeah that you know we should consider what is the afterlife what could it look like and how does that put into perspective experiences that we have today good or bad Mm -hmm. and how we could see some of these like fantastic things like the birth of a new baby as a glimpse of like the the goodness that we can experience maybe in its fullness in the afterlife yeah Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was interesting how one of the people said, I didn't feel dead at any point. I felt like I was alive and that I was more alive. More alive. Yeah. I felt like I was conscious. She said, you know, I never felt conscious and then unconscious. And this was a woman who basically had drowned. She was underwater for pinned underwater under a waterfall for 15 minutes or something. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, she said, I never felt conscious and unconscious. I felt like conscious and then more conscious. And yep. so it reminded me of Paul's words, you know, to live as Christ, to die as gain. And, and thinking about like, man, you really are passing from life to life. Yeah. And so what was interesting is that the people who had experienced like the heavenly kind of experience, they, none of them had like a fear of death anymore. Mm-hmm. None of them. Mm-hmm. And so... They're like looking forward to it somehow. Yeah. And I just thought that was so interesting. Yeah. And what it would really look like in my life if I had such a heavenly perspective that I would not fear death. Like how often does fear drive my day to day? You know? And if I really operate from a place of boldness, knowing that for me to live is Christ, to die is gain, you know? Mm -hmm. And so... That's something I was thinking about was like, man, like what, you know, we talk about having confidence and the hope of Christ, but do we really live that way? Right. So that's kind of, that was my, I think, biggest takeaway from it was what would it really look like to live like free of fear? The free of fear part, I think is probably the most meaningful takeaway that as Christians, you go from life to life and fear is... You know, I think of John Pyre. Fear is but a door that you, I mean, death is but a door that you step through. (laughs) And I mean, that's actually true. Yeah. And so do we live our lives with that type of perspective and mindset? And do we celebrate good things or do we overlook hardships? Because we know that the suffering in this present world doesn't compare to the future glory that we experience. Yep. And I tell you that I don't, think that way all the time probably most of the time i don't and so you know maybe there is more takeaways to this movie than i initially thought that i think have been helpful to bring into perspective that the world that we live in and the life that we have isn't all that there is that would make for a really cold dreary hopeless world and to have the perspective of knowing that we are passing through this little nest egg that you know mentioned earlier that we're trying to build and this little little family is not the ultimate but we try to have an understanding that we are called to something greater that we belong to another kingdom and that we should really have that type of perspective when we go about our day-to-day and if you don't say that frequently enough it sounds weird and 
it makes it feel like, dude, what are you actually talking about? Mm-hmm. But that's really what it is, is, you know, if, if you truly believe that you are saved and that you're in Christ and you are a new creation and you are part of a different kingdom, then those are the implications of the faith that you have. Well, hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of Table Talks with the Tares. We'd love to hear from you. And if there's something you'd specifically like for us to talk about, visit honors underscore dot com slash table talks to let us know. And if this episode was helpful to you, be sure to subscribe and to also share it with a friend. We really appreciate your support. All music is from the OG MJ Tare. Join us next time for another conversation at our table.